Hey, welcome to Scratching the Surface. I'm Jared Fuller, and this is my podcast about design criticism and practice. This week's episode is one that I've been looking forward to for a very long time. I am talking to Andrew Blauvelt. Over the course of Andrew's career, he has worked as a designer, educator, curator, and writer. Since 2015, he's been the director of the Cranbrook Art Museum, but before that, he worked at the Walker Art Center since 1998, where he held a variety of positions, including design director, chief of communication and audience engagement, and senior curator of design, research, and publishing. And previously, he was the director of the graduate studies and chair of the graphic design department at North Carolina State University. Andrew is someone whose work I've admired for basically my entire design career, and I've just really enjoyed watching the evolution of his career as he straddles practice and academia, curating and communications. He really just embodies this idea of expanded practice and truly is one of my favorite thinkers in and around design. And so in this conversation, Andrew and I talk about all of that. We go all the way back to where his interest in design started and retrace the steps of his career. We talk about what a museum director does and how design influences how he thinks about that job and that background that he has kind of gives him a unique perspective in this job as well as how the general design discourse has changed over the course of his career if you're a fan of the podcast and want to help support it you can become a member for five dollars a month or fifty dollars a year to receive an exclusive monthly newsletter that has additional content and episode previews those memberships really help keep the podcast going and i just appreciate all of your support and hope that you enjoy this conversation with andrew blauvelt somebody that I have been reading and someone whose work I've been interested in for basically my entire design career, my entire interest in design. And when I got interested in design, you were already at the Walker, but you you had a, uh, a career before that. And I, I would love to talk about that just a little bit, just to kind of, you know, kind of understand your background a little bit. So how, how did you get interested in graphic design or, or where did that... Uh, <laughs> Yeah. That idea come from. <laughs> well, it was in the dark ages. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No one knew what graphic design was, really. Um, so pre-computer. So right. sort of in the early 80s. Um, so in high school, I was um, I was involved in the newspaper and yearbook. Okay. Um, and so and more on the production end, not the writing end. And um, so I actually gained a lot of skills, um, technical skills, by doing that kind of work, right. like how to spec typesetting, how to paste up things, um, like all the old stuff that you don't <laughs> Right, <remember>. right, right. <laughs> um, so, um, so the seed must have been planted there, um, you know, I guess for doing that. I've always been interested in art. And, okay. Um, and then, uh, but I kind of did a dual track. So I was more mm -hmm. like, um, I guess it always sounds diametric, but academic and <laughs> uh, track in high school. And okay. Actually. And so, but I've always uh, taken art classes. So I kind of, I guess I secretly wanted to be an artist or a designer, but um, I was tracking towards, I don't know, I think poli sci and. Oh, law. interesting. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. So how. How did you dis you know, but thinking about those two sides, I have two questions around that. How did you decide graphic design? And then two, and, and maybe this is the bigger and more interesting question, how how did you figure out or or when were you introduced to graphic design as a field or as a thing that you could actually do as a career? Where did that come from? Um, well, I think that came uh when I so when I left high school, I was actually enrolled um, to in poli sci. And, oh, okay. And um, but I never really started because <laughs> in the summer um, I discovered um, the local art school, which would have been the Heron School of Art um, in Indianapolis. Okay. Oh, are you are you from Indiana? Um, I grew up there. I'm originally from New York, though. Oh, okay. So, 
Yeah. I, I was born in Indianapolis and spent some of my childhood in um, in Lafayette, Indiana. Yeah, yeah, Purdue, okay. Purdue territory. Yeah, that's right. I didn't re- I didn't realize that that uh, you had lived there. Yeah, there's a lot of designers from there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think I keep discovering more and more people. Um, so um, so I was tracking to go into you know kind of academic um, uh, role, and then I okay. discovered a pre college summer workshop at the art school and um i took that course because i had not taken a lot of art classes like enough to make a portfolio right um i think things are a lot different today but back in the day it was really hard to get into art school (laughs) yeah um so and and it was all about the portfolio and right um, right they basically didn't really i mean they looked at sats and stuff like that but just to make sure that you had to read but um otherwise <laughs> right. it's all about the work um and i was not tracked in that kind of program so mm-hmm. i didn't develop a portfolio um so i thought well this is um so for some reason i took that workshop <laughs> and then i got uh, i think i did well in it and so then right. they gave me a deferment basically they gave me a free pass into art school so i just switched schools oh, wow. to art school um and then i had um and then i had des- there were designers teaching it which i think might also be a little unusual because i think it's usually artists that teach that kind of stuff yeah um but two designers like somebody graduating from the undergraduate program was the kind of like you know helper instructor and then one of the professors was a design professor and um so I remember like looking or seeing the, the, the graduating student, the senior, I guess, or the recent graduate, mm-hmm. I guess, um, showed his portfolio and that was all graphic design related. Right. And right. then I thought, Oh, I like, I like this. Like it connected with what I had been doing in high school. So, um, so I really, I thought, well, this is, I'd rather, this seems much more fun. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so they so then I got a free pass into art school. So then um then I signed up and then we had like a foundation year where you don't have a major. So yep. we just studied print basic principles and things and then took a little bit of painting, a little bit of sculpture, a little bit of design. Right. Um that kind of stuff. And then um and then I just tracked right into um the graphic design program, um, which um allowed you to also uh, there were subtracks. You had to do either something more akin to illustration or photography, oh, and yeah. I chose photography. So I actually studied like fine art photography and graphic design. Oh, interesting. And what you know, it's it's really interesting to hear this because it's 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 similar to to my story. And in discovering graphic design, you know, being interested in the arts, I was really interested in architecture as a kid. I I always was kind of interested in drawing and, and and things like that, but never felt like being an artist was what I wanted to do. Um, and when I st- discovered graphic design, suddenly all of these things I was interested in really came together and, and it just immediately felt like, oh yeah, this is the thing that I have been wanting to do. This is this pulls together everything. Did you feel that when you kind of got into that that track that all of these things you were interested in were yeah feeling right yeah definitely that it was um it was a creative endeavor and it was um what was interesting in undergrad is that it was also intellectual endeavor oh okay it's never like a trade school oh interesting but it was like i learned so much technically of course it was a different universe back then but it was very technical but was not anti-intellectual at all so it was just a weird program. I mean, was... <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that that sounds really interesting. What was the intellectual side like was, at that time? Uh, there was a lot of history, okay. which was new because uh, graphic design history, like Meg's book, had just come out, the first right. edition. Right. Um, so that was being used actually by the instructors, um, but we didn't have. The, like graphic design history but oddly i had type history oh weird okay <laughs> yeah and like for like two semesters of it and it was incorporated into the type one and type two classes um so it was just um really and then i don't know through osmosis or something i knew about some basic design history because i remember um now that you're bringing dredging all this up <laughs> yeah sorry sorry to go back that far 
like psychoanalysis or something. So um, with uh, the 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 kid, I was, I was trying to remember his name now. I can't remember his name now, but um, the graduating student who was the instructor in the pre-college workshop, um, he had done poster on, uh, I think, the Bauhaus or something. Mm. So this is that period when, you know, design students were researching design history, um, which really meant doing a lot of research because there wasn't, you know, a lot. There would have been a lot on the Bauhaus, of course. But right. Um, but I remember knowing what the Bauhaus was, and they were shocked. But, yeah. <laughs> but I did live in Germany for like three years. Oh, okay. <laughs> that might have helped. I don't know. Probably. I mean, not, but, uh, somebody knew about it. <laughs> that is amazing. I feel like I got the pass into school. <laughs> right, 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 right. I don't. I don't mean to be too reductive here, but I feel like hearing that actually explains a lot about how your career has turned out. And I don't mean to draw too many connections between the two of us, but I feel like your early design education was, again, similar to my own in that, you know, like I said before we started recording, my introduction to graphic design was through blogs. And, and then, you know, from there I was reading Looking Closer. And so when I ended up going to undergrad for graphic design, I knew a lot of graphic design history. I knew a lot of theory, but I didn't know any of the the practical side i didn't know what kerning was i didn't know how to set up a you know a text file or you know a, a template file in i guess at the time that was PageMaker. um and i've only after the fact realized that it was because of that early kind of education in the theory and the history that my view of graphic design was you know kind of shaped in that way uh and so when you finished undergrad you went right to Cranbrook, right? Or did you did you work yeah. in between there? No, no, I went right from undergrad, which was very unusual. Yeah, um, why why did you do that? <laughs> uh, to escape Indiana. <laughs> okay. okay, that's a good answer. I've because, been there. Uh, yeah, well, you know, I think it's much better today, just culturally, but yeah, um, yeah, yeah, things yeah. to do. Um, I actually, I you know, I had a very excellent undergraduate education, though, so you can't knock that. Um, but um, how I wanted to practice and what I wanted to practice in design, I just didn't see it there. Mm. So, it, so, and then everyone oddly like seemed to want to stay mm. in Indiana, and I am <laughs> a military brat, so I moved around all my oh, life. Okay, okay. So I just understood that impulse to like remain in place. So it was a way out. Um, and so I had, you know, I'd been thinking about uh, studying at, at different. Um, different design schools for graduate school, but I also was um, attracted more to the intellectual side, I guess, the, right. the history, the theory of design. Um, and so I knew that would make sense studying that as a graduate, as a graduate rather than like, I felt completely solid. Like I could go out and practice graphic design. <laughs> so I wasn't going to grad school to like learn how to be a designer. I felt like I could do that already because I right. started already started doing freelance jobs and stuff like that. So right. it wasn't less. And then technically, it was like so superior to anything here at Cranbrook. Technically, there's right. no technical training. Here. Right, right. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, it wasn't about any of that. It was really about under wanting to understand um, the field itself better. And and so, were you interested in being a practicing designer at that time, or why? Why did you feel like that kind of intellectual side or the history and the theory? was so important that you wanted to keep studying that before you kind of went out into the field? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I don't think I, I mean, yeah, I wanted to practice. Um, and I think it's because, um, like I, I base my work around ideas and concepts. Right. And so, um, that was like a fountain of ideas and concepts, you know, like it was just, it seemed like new territory too. There was not a lot researched or written about, it felt like. And, right. um, and there was a lot of new uh, design happening in the world. This is all pre-internet, of course. So you would only hear about these things in drips and drabs and right. a random magazine article or something. And then most of the magazines were really conventional. So, they didn't offer any kind of, you just get glimmers. <laughs> right, right. Things are happening in the world and the bigger world. And so that was the other motivation to go to graduate school. And then uh, my faculty had suggested, I had very young faculty who had just mm. come out of 
graduate school. So they kind of encouraged um, me to explore the option of graduate school, which again, it was really unusual at the time because most people would just go right into practice. Right. Like there's no need for an MFA in graphic design. It's interesting that, that you kind of found yourself gravitating towards that at a very young age. And Cranbrook, obviously at that time, so this the McCoys were, were there at the time, right? And so that that was a very theoretical, uh, like there was a lot of discussion happening there. What was that like for you at that time? And I promise we won't talk, we won't spend this whole conversation talking about your early education, but um, that kind of early Cranbrook, or not early, but like late yeah. 80s, early 90s Cranbrook, I think is such a fascinating time in design history. Yeah, no, it, it was. And it's interesting to be back and yeah. kind of reflecting on it. But um, so the the mystery of Cranbrook, so Cranbrook, um, so I mentioned that I studied photography. So right. I was a major, a double major. So um, fine art photography, um, not commercial photography, but um, okay. art photography, and then um, graphic design. And then uh, the photography program that I studied in was very theoretical. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was very... Um, for the time, very cutting edge because um, the people, well, these are all people well known now, but, you know, Cindy Sherman and Barbara Kruger, oh, yeah. these were merging artists at the time. It was not the con- conventional photography program, although they taught very solid skills and mm-hmm. all you know, black and white and color and all that stuff. Um, so I took all of that, but it was a very theoretically driven program. So that's when I was introduced to theory. Okay. Um, so um, semiotics and structuralism, post-structuralism, at least the first pass of it. Right. So when I went to Cranbrook, I was debating about whether I would get an MFA in photography or if I'd get an MFA in design. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, in the same building, in fact. <laughs> right. Okay. One floor above each other. Um, and then I had known people, actually I knew more people through photography in Cranbrook than I did design in Cranbrook, actually. Huh. I okay. never had a Cranbrook instructor. I think there was one who taught at my undergrad, but for some reason I never had him, and I don't know why. It just yeah, deputy or something. I didn't didn't have him. But um, but um, when I came to interview, um, it kind of made the decision that it was going to be design, and that's when I discovered that they were interested in the okay. same kinds of theory out of the design department. Okay. I was very interested that I had already started reading all of this stuff. So it was a way of just jumping in to the deep end rather quickly. So um, so at that time, I, I think it's pretty safe to say that <laughs> was the most experimental design yeah. program in the world, probably. Yeah. And it... Um, and so it, it was, yeah, it was theoretical, but it, it was all about making stuff. And it was very formally driven, like, um, you know, a very really pushing the envelope of typography, legibility, right, <laughs> right, like everything. So, and again, this is all pre-computer because computers weren't introduced here until my last year, two weeks. <laughs> oh, my wow. Okay. <laughs> okay. Of course. <laughs> So, yeah, so immediately it landed and then it all hell broke loose, but right. um, you know, lots sorts of good things happened, but um, it was all pre-computer. So, um, so all of that was just the milieu was that, um, that there was this really interesting design program happening. Mm-hmm. And then also it was appealing because it was 2D and 3D design. So I, the uh, department was made up of graphic designers, but also furniture designers and product designers and interior architects. Oh, interesting. So, yeah. So it felt like, well, you know, like this would be an interesting context um, because I didn't know, I had no like three-dimensional sensibility at all. Right, right. (laughs) all flat. Um, And so I always joke that's like one of the bigger things that I learned here was three-dimensional principles. And to be able to visualize and think three-dimensionally was something I learned here that I didn't have in undergrad. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't realize those were originally one program because they're separated. Yeah, they're now. separate now. Yeah, they used to be all one department, and there were it was a bigger department compared to all the other departments here. So it was like there were okay. twenty four people total, and then twelve in each of the tracks, basically. So twelve in two D, okay. or twelve in graphic design, twelve mm-hmm. in product design, or three D, and okay. then interesting first year and second year. So there's about six people. 
<laughs> right. When you break it down, which is kind of remarkable. So it was super difficult to get into the program. Yeah. Um, even then, this is before it hit big time. There were all these articles um, when I was a student here, and then just after the book, a book came out, and, and then it oh, really. Right. I just want to kind of like follow this thread for a second. Um, so when you finished at Cranbrook, then what was the what was the goal, or or you know, especially being in that kind of highly experimental, like really practice based kind of theory? what's what comes after something like that <laughs> <laughs> well there were two camps basically i was i think i was the well one of the lone members of the second camp but the primary <laughs> camp that so the joke was that of course no one would employ you right um, yeah i mean that's kind of what i was trying to ask in a nice way <laughs> yeah no that was hopeless okay there would be no one. but it was interesting because what that meant was that you start your own business mm, okay so that's why so many cranberry people started their own firms right like school um a few went there was not really much opening in the corporate sector then it's more open now but a um, few people did um some people went to existing design consultancies um, um and then a smaller subset was interested in teaching okay and so in fact i i I don't know if I was the only one who was interested. <laughs> yeah, I felt like it at the time. There's probably a couple other people. I mean, they all we all end up teaching. I think because I don't know, it's just something in the water here that yeah. we just teach because either part time or full time. Um, but at the time, it was really not about teaching. Like the McCoys were like not like they were done with that. <laughs> mm. Oh, interesting. <laughs> they had produced so many teachers that they. <laughs> interested in producing practitioners so i kind of went against the grain (laughs) okay teacher and what was it you know you mentioned there was kind of something in the water but the mccoys were kind of interested in practitioners at the time Mm -hmm. what was it about teaching that interested you because you did go on to teach i mean you were the you were the designer in residence at cranbrook for a short time and then you were at North Carolina for a while running that program. So did you go right into teaching after that? I did. Okay. I, did. I mean, um, so um, I ended up in Florida, actually, for the first year at Florida okay. State University. Um, they had a very unusual undergraduate program. So I just kind of I left here, and then suddenly I was in charge of a graphic design program. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> But I had a lot of good training and education from undergrad, so that came in really handy. Um, so, um, so yeah, it was. I guess it was the um, the need to kind of continue the the kind of intel. I wanted to do two things. I wanted to practice. I wanted yeah. to keep practicing for sure, and then I wanted to be able to also um, deal with these ideas. And um, right. and I was very much interested in education. So, um, so the, so when I was teaching full-time I was also operating a practice full-time okay that was my next question was like were you doing design work at at this time also so what what type of work was that was that just um it was almost all for the art sector so all cultural sector work which again was not a big um now everybody wants to do it and it's highly prized but back then it was like fully paid (laughs) (laughs) right right right. (laughs) it was designed for a bunch of non-profits (laughs) Right. <laughs> um, right. It's not as sexy, I guess. Um, yeah, so, you're a little ahead of your time on that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Luckily, that's my story. I'm right. just like steps ahead. Yeah. But um, yeah, so I did all work for um, freelance work for art galleries and art museums, art catalogs, posters, invitations, brand identity stuff, um, okay. things like that. And that's how I ended up with the job at the Walker, actually. Okay. All right. I want to, I want to talk talk about that in a second but I have, I have one other question about teaching because I, I think again I don't mean to keep drawing parallels between our two careers or our two stories but I felt the same way when I finished at Micah that I wanted to somehow build a career that continued this research this experimentation these these things that I was wrestling about and thinking about and so I kind of didn't want to just go and get another design job because that's what I had done before grad school. And so I cobbled together some freelance clients and started teaching. And I realized that, that the teaching kind of actually gave me a way to continue this research in like a really, uh, kind of clear 
way in that I could kind of take these ideas and, and kind of put them in the classroom and allowed me to really think about the work that I was doing in the, the freelance side and start to see how these things talk talk to each other. Did you find that being in an academic environment as an educator and running a program like that, was it changing how you thought about graphic design or how you thought about your work kind of specifically? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, um, so the first couple of years in teaching, it was in Florida. Then I was back at my undergrad um, at Heron for a while, for okay. like a year for two two years probably and then so i was just learning to teach then <laughs> right right so when i landed in uh north carolina that was when meredith davis brought me in there and okay. so she's another cranbrook grad from uh like decade before me here <laughs> yeah. um and uh she's if you know meredith she's very you know she's um pretty rigorous around oh, okay. you know she has a very academic bent to the to her the way she teaches right and so that was an uh and plus they wanted to start a graduate program or they had a graduate program but they wanted to change it okay so expand it or something and then they wanted to build a graphic design department because it was part of product design it was combined at that time too oh. which is interesting so we went there to kind of pull it apart and grow it separately <laughs> um so that was the beginning of being more um, conscious. It's also a research-based university right. um, at an art school, so um, it's kind of under the publisher parish paradigm. Right, <laughs> so, right. So it became very theoretical then um, okay. because of more writing, in other words. Um, so um, there, there was a whole project around, like the Visible Language Project on design his, graphic design oh, history. right, right. Done there. And then I did a huge bibliography project, which was on uh, cultural studies and critical theory and how it would be um, the kind of reading list that would inform uh, design. Mm. Oh, interesting. So, yeah. So that um, and then the milieu of North Carolina, because NC State's in Raleigh, which is part of the triangle. Um, So you have Duke University in Durham and then you have UNC Chapel Hill. Um, okay. University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. So they're all within like 20 or 30 minutes of each other. Um, and so there was a huge theoretical um, contingent at Duke University. And so that was a, a way of extending some of the ideas and theories of graduate school. Okay. Uh, so this is heavy, heavy post-structuralist um, encampment in the U.S. Um, Frederick Jameson was the chair. Oh, interesting. Um, wow. Yeah. Terrell Moy was there. Everyone passed through there, too. So it was a really great way of getting, um, not paying for it. <laughs> right, right, right. Education. Um, so that was informing simultaneously the development of the program, the graduate program in North Carolina. That um, The part that I taught and developed was around culture. It was basically integrating cultural and material studies into design studio oh. and making interesting i i could talk about that for <laughs> for the rest of of this conversation because i find that that those intersections really interesting but i i won't do that because it this also seems like a good way to transition into the walker because now hearing you talk about your teaching work and the kind of professional kind of practice work you were doing the walker now now hearing this 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 background seems like the perfect way to bring all of these things together under one roof because it wasn't just or at least my understanding of it is it's not just you know kind of being a creative director or running the in-house design program but it's also involves kind of outreach and you know bringing in speakers and things like that so is that kind of how that that came about yeah, so um, I was happy as a clam in North Carolina. I was tenured. <laughs> I was heading the this graphic design department actually at the time, and then I got a phone call out of the blue um, from Kathy Halbrush, who was the director at the Walker. Okay. Then, and I guess I'd been recommended by some people, and she was reading some of my writings, and mm. um, so she's trying to have conversation. I think it was winter break or something so i was available so i went to minneapolis and we had a a nice conversation um and um i think it was <laughs> something about the fear of getting tenure i mean i got tenure i started teaching when i was really young so um, yeah 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 so yeah <laughs> sort of like oh well am i going to do this the rest of my life i mean right. 
was a very nice setup in North Carolina, so I could see that wouldn't have been a bad thing, but um, there was a, suddenly an opportunity to go into practice full-time, and so I kind of jumped at that and said, oh, well, this if, if I don't do it now, I might not do it ever, like, so. <laughs> right, right. And, <laughs> and it's not just, it's not just practice. I, I, I don't mean to, to oversimplify this, but it's not just practice kind of traditional working with clients, but it still brought together all of these things you were thinking about, I imagine, in North Carolina and as a teacher and as a writer, uh, you know, the Walker kind of has that just built into its DNA, it seems like. Yeah, I mean, they have a really long design tradition. And um, when I when I went there, it was um, still in place, it was oriented towards practice, because that's what Kathy wanted it to be. So the in house operation really grew. Okay. And um, like, right before I got there, actually, and then, um, so yeah, taking the reins of that over, um, there was a connected publishing program at the Walker. So that was right. a really interesting way of expanding my own knowledge base, having to do more with publishing and distribution. Okay. Um, so, and then eventually online publishing. But, um, so yeah, everything was kind of just a giant platform. The Walker was a giant platform in which to do some of that. And I think I told them in the interview that, well, you know, I'm giving up tenure and a professor <laughs> <laughs> can't pick color chips all day or something. I'll just go insane. So um, I need some intellectual things to do. And so they said, oh, well, you could do a show now and then. And I was like, oh, that sounds fun. <laughs> okay. That, I mean, because that was going to be my next question is, you know, did you kind of go in into that with an ambition to move into curating and publishing? And it sounds like you did or, or that there was oh, some of that there. Maybe some subliminal seeds. And my main motivation was to enter practice, okay. and then, um, and then, I just kind of wanted some, you know, windows to go through, like um, setting up some possibility around curating, setting up some possibility around publishing. Right. So, so those things just became kind of more manifest as the years went on. Um, so yeah, so the, the the first shows were like more into researching the Walker's own history and place in design history, which had mm -hmm. been kind of forgotten about and written out of a lot of history books. So that was kind of the first thing I did. So it was very kind of bookish. Um, oh, interesting. <laughs> or, yeah, or, yeah. Or historical kind of research in the beginning, but then manifested into a show, um, which was well received. So then it becomes easier to do the next one, right? <laughs> than the next one. Um, so yeah, and then I just learned the kind of practical business of being a curator, like what that meant, how the process works and, yeah. you know, um, and kind so, of job training. <laughs> right, right. And, and I, I, I don't mean, I, I could talk about Walker stuff forever. Uh, the graphic design now in production show, uh, was very important to me when it came out. I, I was living in New York. I, I think I had been out of school for a year, was working in New York. And so I saw the show on Governor's Island. And it, it, I, I think that is what planted the seeds that, you know, six years after that, I would go back and, and go to grad school because I was kind of, that helped me see these other ways of practice. Um, and so your, your time at the Walker has been very, uh, whether it's that show or whether it's the writing or the the insight series has been very influential into my in my own design education, uh, and so I don't mean to gloss over all of it, but I'm I would love to hear you talk about the kind of evolution of your role there, kind of going in as design director, starting to do some curating. I know you were kind of running all of communication for a while or something like that, and then you you became a full-time curator. Can you talk about just that? I, you know, I, I, I realize that's a huge question that's spanning, you know, yeah. 15 years of your career, but I would love to just kind of hear about how those things came about or, or you know, your kind of interest in expanding your own role there. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's not something I anticipated <laughs> necessarily. Um, okay. So the design department, as I was saying, was at the Walker is really unusual for a museum, even today, I think, um, because every, almost everything is done in house. Right. So there's there's a lot of res there's a lot of um, opportunity, but there's also a lot of responsibility. Um, so um, 
luckily I kind of had this basic training in design. And so issues of marketing and mm. things like that are not foreign at all to me. And right. that surprises some people. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> it can be like practical and strategic, mm-hmm. um, but um, that's just part of my DNA. So, um, so when I took over the design department, um, the design department started playing a, a bigger role in like what we eventually call like brand management so like mm-hmm. what is the message how or what is the strategy um and so it just grew and so we found ourselves just having to um you know your combo agency so it's like we had a marketing department there too that was very good and supportive of that for the most part <laughs> <laughs> yeah that sounds familiar yeah uh, pretty good uh, uh, <laughs> overall yeah i think um so um so the, the so the campaigns grew and the budgets grew and the, you know the re- mm. the scope of everything grew and so it was natural to kind of take on a kind of centralized communications role where it's basically as chief communications officer so you know really thinking at a high level and you see this and a lot of designers have that capability um right. and runs a company basically has to deal with this stuff so it's um was just an opportunity that came along that was maybe it's only unusual because i was a designer and came out of design and not necessarily marketing but um, I fully feel very conversant, all the basics and all the practicalities that go into marketing. So, so it was just kind of a natural evolution to me. And then that became also about social media and online publishing eventually. So the world start coming together, kind of like advancing the (laughs) storyline. 2008 or so um, that, um, you know, we were very successful at publishing catalogs as an independent publisher, which is also unusual for a museum to have that kind of role, Um, um, which just allows, again, more responsibility, but also um, more freedom um, to be able to, you know, generate sales. And so that is also of it so there's a whole under underbelly or understory uh of why design can be successful at the walker and it's because i hope it's because we inculcated the fact that it needs to perform and right. so when it performs it can the aesthetics are of secondary importance actually because you know it's it's the natural taste making function of any designer is to is assume the aesthetic role so um those are all just part and parcel of being responsible in a, in, a, in a holistic sense for the projects that get done. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. And I, I as I've talked to, to designers who are kind of operating at that level, and even when I was working in-house at, uh, at larger companies and my career was kind of moving up, I found that the, you know, more and more of my time was spent not doing the creative stuff and was doing the, um, you know, thinking about the strategy and the budget and things like that. And and that just kind of wasn't really what I was interested in at the time. I, I actually think now I'd be much more interested in that. Um, and I'm, I'm curious kind of, you know, how you felt about that and were, was the, that kind of intellectual side, you know, you mentioned the aesthetics being, can sometimes be secondary important, which I agree with, but what about that kind of intellectual side when you were in that role, did you find, was that kind of fulfilling intellectually? Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, I, I kind of conceptualized the design department differently. Okay. Okay. And maybe some others because I had taught for like a decade or so at least. Um, so um, I always thought of my role is I'm just, I'm here to make design, good design happen. Mm. Oh, um, and that was so pervasive because that's the legacy that I inherited from the Freedmans um, that they, you know, they're like the Eameses. They were, you know, like mine should yeah. be every, every, every yeah. place. It's like how you place a chair in a room. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> what the postcard looks like it's all part of the same problem so it's um so when you come at it from that angle i just thought my job was yeah dealing with me going to endless meetings <laughs> okay figuring out endless budgets figuring out strategy but trying to enable a culture where design good design can happen mm-hmm. so as long as the good design was being done it didn't have to necessarily be it didn't have to be me doing it um, like I was trying to facilitate that to happen and it's not that I don't care about form. I'm a big formalist. So I'll tell you in <laughs> seconds what's wrong. With <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. 
or why your type sucks or this is not very interesting because it's just copycat stuff um, yeah, yeah, yeah. a general awareness of what's happening in contemporary design um, so that I can have a conversation with the designer that's much more like you would have with maybe a grad student or a student in school mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. yeah I know your tricks and so maybe we're tired of them now <laughs> right right we should push it and do something different. Or here's an opportunity to do something different. Have yeah. you thought about this? Um, so it's just kind of this instigator kind of role partly. And then also trying to foster, trying to be encouraging of what can happen in, in the studio. Um, and so, and then also just liking to collaborate with people. Mm. Um, Cause that's also what, you know, that's like working with Alan on that show was yep. a curator collaboration or working with Emmett Byrne, who's the new design director. We worked together on many catalog projects. And I, I just like working with interesting people who have their own ideas. And then how do you negotiate all of that stuff? It's just, um, I find that kind of fun. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I know that uh, a lot of designers don't, but I kind of like that process of being really open-ended and just wanting to see where you end up and, and trusting that it'll be good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, I love that. <laughs> it's very scary. It's real risk taking, I think, but it's, it's like, I don't know it works out most of the time, I think. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Most of the time. Most of the time it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, so I want to, I want to kind of take, take what you're talking about and start to connect that to, to what you're doing now, because your last couple years at the Walker, it, you had moved into full-time curating, right? Yeah, the last, uh, at least, yeah, probably two years. I forget. Now. Okay. And so, so was... I did all this other stuff, too, which explains why I'm an administrator. So we I ran a whole division that was uh, centered around audience engagement. Okay. Um, strategies and stuff and so that was that's just a whole nother thing as administrator um but um the 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 kind of transition here i guess is by your like yeah or, yeah i mean i guess I, I i guess kind of my question is or or maybe the question behind the question is you're, you're working as this you know chief chief communication officer where you're kind of working in strategy and then and tell me tell me if this is is wrong i'm kind of talking about your career as someone who's watched it from the outside, so it might not be like this, but you know, you're kind of working in this this strategy communication publishing role. And then it, it seems like you had kind of moved into uh, more more of your time was spent curating and then, mm -hmm. you know, and you're kind of leaving some of that, you know, quote unquote designer practice again. Uh, and now moving into being director at Cranbrook, it seems like it's kind of furthering further away from that. Uh, right. Yeah, you I know what know. I mean. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> the inconsistencies in my career. So um, the so the so yes, I became more or less a full time curator. I still manage some other things administratively. Okay. Okay. But um, I was doing some really major projects at the time, like hippie modernism, right. with like seven years of research. So. Um, so all of those things had a major show. So that had to all come in a book. So all of that had right, to come together. Yeah. So I had to do more or less uh, full time on that um, for a year. Okay. So um, so yeah. But I've I've been curating since uh, basically two thousand. So um, so it, so I've been consistently curating um, right. kind of my spare time. <laughs> right. Um, so and then uh, so and I still curate here. So I'm kind of more like a curator and a director here because okay. we're a smaller museum. Um, so that's also appealed. Um, so it's kind of, yeah, there's administration for sure here at a really high level. But then there's um, also just curating projects like the one I just finished on punk. Um, right, right, right. It's a project that started at the Walker. Um but it never manifested anything there, really. It's just oh, an idea for me, you know. Okay. Um, so, so, yeah, so it goes back and forth. And so those ideas about, um, I see design in everything, but that's kind of in my training. So yeah. it's like, you know, like, yeah, I'm an editor. I can edit. I can write. I can uh, lay out stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just all part of just a skill toolbox kind of is how I think about it or strategy is the same way. It's just all the skills that you have to have um, to kind of survive in the world. I think these days. Um, yeah. 
Um, I, I mean, that's that's kind of what my next question was going to be. And I'm asking this question somewhat selfishly, you know, as somebody I'm basically asking for career advice, maybe, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, because what's interested me about your career and even what you're just talking about. And I let me let me make sure that I frame this question the right way. I basically have kind of two questions here, um, because what what has interested me about your work is this kind of moving back and forth between, uh, you know, kind of academia or, you know, maybe the intellectual side to to very kind of practice based to back to a little bit more strategy and, and administration to back to curating, which seems a little bit more uh, creative and maybe closer to design to now back to something that involves a lot of administration. I'm, I'm interested in how you see design in all of those, which you just started answering and how you know, the relationships between design and editing or design and writing and design and curating. Um, right. And how you see those kind of connections between all of those. Yeah. So I guess they're in different pieces. Like, um, so writing, of course, is closely tied to editing. Mm-hmm. Um, not that all good writers are good editors, <laughs> but um, that you have to, you know, as an editor, you have to be a, have a meta level sense of what's going on, right, in a text, or um, or that folds into having more of this yeah. <laughs> marketing kind of um, experience. Yeah. Um, so, like, what are you trying to say, and how are you saying it? Who's the audience? And so, just having more nuance to be able to. Um, sometimes I think I'm schizophrenic or something. <laughs> <laughs> like marketing language, um, which right. is very than writing, a, you know, an essay in a catalog that's basically historical or theoretical. Um, it's just a different, different forms of writing. But mm-hmm. it's kind of like design where you, you like, you know, you would have different, not styles, but you just have different approaches depending right. on what the content is. Right, right, <laughs> so right. There's a lot of inherent flexibility. It's not like, oh, I just do one thing. So I'm certainly not a novelist or something. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, so there's a there's a parallel connection I think to design that way, and then also just having studied design, and it was like you know if you could solve any problem, because it was presented to me as problem solving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. <laughs> um, that um, well, okay, yeah. So I don't I'm not deterred by any size problem. Like it's just issues of scale and complexity. Mm. So it's unraveling all of these problems. And sometimes the problems are administrative problems. Sometimes they're um, systems problems, um, which is a little closer to design. So it's like the act of designing is really arranging and ordering, um, uh, structuring things. So not surprisingly, I take a more structural approach to the things I would design or how I think through a problem. Yeah. So those are all very much like, I guess you would call it design thinking today, but like it's just what you do as a designer is how you research things, how you unpack problems and how you creatively try to solve these problems. Yeah, that's really interesting. I have two questions around that. And one of them is probably a a very uh, oversimplified question that you've probably answered many times. And so the first question is, (laughs) I, I think you're the first... Uh, museum director that I've talked to and so my first question is what does a museum director do and then the second question is I imagine that there are not many museum directors who come from a design background and you started answering this a little bit but um, do you think kind of having that design background allows you to approach that job differently oh I think so for sure that's what I imagine I mean (laughs) right (laughs) <laughs> Maybe I'm deluding myself. Um, no, because I think I, 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 I think what, um, let's see how I'm, I'm unusual. I think also because I've worked what I call both sides of the aisle. So right. I'm a curator because most directors come out of curatorial. Right, right. Um, but I also, you know, worked in design, education, new media, marketing, public relations. You know. Mm-hmm technology <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Other side of the museum services kind of creative services whatever you want to call it side of the um divide um there's less divide now but in the past there was more so that already in and of itself is really unusual um right. so there's that advantage um how i like what did museum directors do uh, <laughs> 
they uh, manage up to their board of directors and oh. their supervisors if they have those, um, yeah. and they manage down in terms of staff. So it's a two-pronged kind of management um, problem. And then um, how here it's just a little bit different because we're so much smaller than the walker. So um, right. it feels more like a design studio. Or oh, kind interesting. Of, curator would say more like a gallery or something right <laughs> everyone's just more scrappy and every does two or three jobs like you do in a, a studio yeah yeah, um, yeah so so there's that so i feel like that there's a certain not uh, familiarity um with how to solve problems because we do very kind of ambitious things here with a very small staff so um but it doesn't seem to it doesn't freak me out too much because because <laughs> i think I've seen that small staffs do a lot. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I guess I have confidence that <laughs> right. something good will happen at the end of it. Yeah. Um, yeah, whereas if you have a very large organization, it's a different kind of management problem. It's it's like juggling um, spinning plates, basically. Right, right. <laughs> we keep everything going forward, and then there's fundraising activities and um, all of that, too. Oh, that right. Part director's job and you're kind of the public face of the institution so there's that i'm curious kind of hearing you talk about that um and you know as we kind of went through your your background the role of writing in your work today and and is that something that kind of still fits in into your work or has has writing changed for you because like i said you know i've been reading you for uh for years um and i'm kind of curious how that fits into to this new role um that's a good question i think um the simpler answer would be mostly through the curatorial project uh the speaking um could be more of a 50 50 thing where it might be talking about something that relates to an exhibition or it could just mm. be about mm -hmm. kind of museum contemporary museum strategies um around communications or publishing or audience engagement or even curatorial strategy. So it's, um, it could, it's more varied on when it comes to public speaking, but, um, for writing, it tends to be, cause it just takes longer to right, do that. Right. Um, <laughs> so those tend to be those curatorial exhibition related projects, or if I'm a guest curator or something or part of a team on another project, then usually write something and then do research on that. Um, okay. research is also part of it. So as a curator, I'm researching constantly for upcoming shows, writing that goes into that eventually. Okay. I asked you the inverse of this question earlier about kind of coming from a graphic design background and how that, you know, kind of affects, you know, or influences the job you have now. But I'm kind of curious about the inverse. And does, you know, as your career has evolved, has it changed how you think about graphic design or how you work with graphic designers or kind of what you even, you know, want from graphic design? Um, to a certain degree. I mean, gosh, that's an interesting question. I haven't really thought of it. <laughs> Like, how does it affect it? Um, hmm. Well, I mean, uh, I mean, it's still, I think my expectations for a graphic designer is still similar to what they were at the Walker in terms of like, um, yeah. you know, uncompromising. <laughs> Not that we fulfill it, but we can always try. Um, you know, it has got to be smart. It's got to be right. um, beautiful and it's got to be, um, it needs to perform. So you, it needs to be all of those things. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and on budget but other than that no problem <laughs> um it's uh so the demand the the level of expectation is still the same although you know it's just you just have to live with fewer things and right. you know it's, it's it's i don't have the same staff so it's it's a little bit of a struggle there but um you know it's still good it's just yeah. not the same but it's not the same so why right. would you expect it to be the same? right 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 it's kind of silly expectation um yeah so i think it's just um you know it has more to do with uh i, mean, I was trying to think of like how administration um certainly strategy is what i've been doing a lot of lately <laughs> yeah yeah um, you know, strategic planning, initiatives, frameworks, those things um, are just part of, I mean, I was participating in all of them at the Walker as well and have done that for other 
uh, organizations too. Um, it's just something that kind of comes natural. Um, after a while, just, it becomes more familiar. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that has had a big impact on design. I mean, I think through the design implications of yeah. how it into those plans. And sometimes it's by subject. Sometimes it's through methodology. Um, you know, we're trying to figure out here within our own education program, how we deal with the concept of design thinking, since everyone talks about it and wants it. Right. Um, can it be different if it's actually taught by designers? Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> That is that is a topic that seems to come up in these conversations a lot, actually. So I know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I mean, I was I had a good education, so I had design methods classes and things like that. So um, yeah. you know, and so uh, so naturally, you know, I, there's a bit of skepticism, um, but also at the same time, like, well, what can we learn about that? Um, how can it apply? Because I mean, if you're trying to spread design out. And the larger world which is the big difference about working at a museum you're a public you're in a public space i mean it's yeah. not so your impact can be much broader you're i mean the people you come in contact with are cross sections of the public so you know so it's just part of the mission <laughs> put forward this is good design this is good design thinking this is good strategy you know like just trying to create a show a platform for that kind of stuff to happen and hopefully they'll connect the dots which i was happy about being in minneapolis for that long because yeah. it does affect i think the culture of the city to be able to see, like when they have something like the Walker to point to, and certainly the Walker wasn't the only one, um, even museum-wise, but um, that that there's a conversation happening in the public realm about design, or people can see the design happening. They may not always like it, but at least it's kind of forefronted. Speaking of that, this is something that I was really curious to ask you about. Um, you know, when you mentioned kind of being your time at Cranbrook uh, as a student, and there's kind of there was a lot of intellectual activity happening at the time, and we've talked about how how you've written for you know all of these publications over the years. I'm I'm curious, kind of how you think the design discourse has changed over your career, and you know as as someone who kind of came into it when it was almost non-existent, just starting to mm-hmm. you know the the you know huge output of it in the 90s to kind of blogs to kind of where we are today how does that do you have any thoughts on that uh well it's kind of um yeah i mean it's such a different world yeah right? i mean like so you know it was basically through magazines back in the day right right <laughs> and they went through their turmoil now i guess they're all folded or something <laughs> yeah, yeah uh there's the online so everything's much more instantaneous um trends tend to be more global instead of regional or even mm. national yeah, um that's interesting yeah so you know there's a kind of you know i mean for better or worse it's kind of an international <laughs> style yeah, yeah. style of graphic design that operates today so it's both um it's encouraging on the one hand and then discouraging on another i mean i guess because if it's too available it seems too easy, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. and there's enough resistance to it or enough evolution within it. I mean, the machine just wants to absorb every new tick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> um, so that's kind of can be kind of annoying, maybe, or it's not annoying, it's just a fact. It's just, um, whereas in the past, because there was such a delay and how ideas would get out in the world, you'd have more time with your ideas and concepts before they would be instantaneously transmitted right. <laughs> around the world. So, you you know, you could spend more time with it and hone it. Um, whereas it just seems to get passed along. And then I guess as a collective, it gets honed. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's something that's kind of just crossed my mind lately, but you know, the evolution of form we used to traditionally as curators framing that as an individual experience um meaning that the author or the artist was really in charge of that but right because of the dissemination it becomes more of a collective um enterprise <laughs> mm, right 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 so well, then how do you like you know questions of originality innovation etc just become kind of either relevant or they they take mm-hmm. on a different flavor because mm-hmm. of the dynamic that's happening um you see that in art as well although they'll deny it but <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah, definitely. Our world, you see these things too. So, um, 
yeah, so I think that's something that's definitely, you know, different from the past in terms of uh, the level of discourse. I think there's a lot of interesting projects. So, you know, doing the graphic design now in production, and we kind of unearthed, that was kind of not the beginnings, but there was a lot of activity around, you know, individual designers publishing books on yeah. designers or <laughs> yeah. doing research and so that's kind of heartening that there's a, a base level of research that's in publishing that's happening now um, because we've kind of gone through the first wave maybe of the survey approach and we can dig deeper into these other areas um, other topics just kind of reoccur yeah. so if you've been around long enough because yeah. I was the first <laughs> first paper I published was uh, well we used to call it multiculturalism back oh then. interesting um, and then, you know, now, uh, you know, the dis discourse around decolonization is, is not, yep. it's different, but not dissimilar. And so, um, or just about voice and representation and, and um, the kinds of debates and discussions yeah. <laughs> that yeah. happened back then um, in the 90s versus, versus now is both similar and different. So maybe there's some continuity, there's some advancement in thinking, and certainly there's a broader base of support around um, those notions. Like, you know, if I, I think I once called graphic design uh, patriarchal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> and that's like, another topic that that has come up on this podcast multiple times. So I think you're exactly right. <laughs> yeah, no, it just seems like and people being offended back then, but um uh, you know, it's much more embraced today. I think yeah. um that kind of perspective. Um or that, you know, that why are you trying to form a canon of um, right. Western Western design? Right. Or just be conscious of the fact that you are. I'm not necessarily opposed to canon formation. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. Conscious of what you're doing. Um, so, yeah. So there is, there's kind of sympathy uh, towards that. Um, so I guess I don't have, like, a lot of nostalgia. I think there's a lot happening. It's hard to keep up with. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. Um, that there's not the – there, there's many more outlets, so it's harder to – like be attuned to everything. Right. That, that leads perfectly into my, my last question. And this is a question that I ask everybody to kind of wrap these up. And, and we've talked about some of these things already, but I'm, I'm kind of curious about what your, you know, we talked about, you know, this kind of intellectual interest around design that you've, you've had basically your whole career. I'm kind of interested in what you're thinking about right now, or, or who are some of the people that you're reading right now? Or like what, what's kind of on your mind or, people that you're kind of looking to oh well it, these days it's all driven by whatever project I'm working I, on. I imagined that yeah <laughs> so I've got two extremes so I'm working on two major projects one is um a kind of history of the Cranbrook Academy of Art oh great um, yeah and so that one I, I became interested in it because I've always been interested in pedagogies or sort of Right. unconventional pedagogies um and part of that has to do with like maybe some remnants of that from the hippie modernism yeah, show yeah i see that yeah and so it seemed like when i landed here like oh no one's done anything really since maybe the mid 80s and hmm. um about the history of the place and it's such a we just take it for granted because it's been around 85 years but yeah. it was a radical educational experiment and it's the only one to have survived right yeah <laughs> for that long so which is kind of interesting so i'm taking that kind of approach to it and so i've been doing a lot of that's a very lot of localized research in a way mm -hmm. like digging deep into the history of the organization um and then looking at all of these um amazing people that it's graduated it also has never had a, a specific stylistic school uh, the design right. department closest i think and maybe some parts of architecture at certain times but basically it, it's kind of a very individualized approach so it, it's hard to categorize i resist all those different categories so i find that kind of interesting and then um i'm what am i reading right now i'm reading <laughs> i know that's always a hard question <laughs> right well it's just sounds so esoteric and weird but um i'm currently reading <laughs> that's um, what this that's podcast is all about <laughs> I'm reading a, a Dutch futurologist, um, one of the earliest ones. Um, and oh, so, wow. um, and that's for a show that I'm working on. It's a consortium show. Um, so I'm just kind of a guest curator with that. Um, it's about kind of design in the future. So oh, um, I'm looking at 
the role of images and in our in our uh, conception or how to how do images of the future form our consciousness of the future. Right. Um, so that's the esoterics I'm yeah. reading his dissertation. <laughs> that that is so interesting. <laughs> Andrew, thank you so much for this conversation. You know, like I said, I've been been reading your your writing for basically as long as I've been interested in design and have followed your career uh, fairly closely and have been, been looking forward to talking to you for a while. And this was so great. And I'm just like really glad we got to do this. And like I said, I'm a fan. So thank you so much uh, for being on the podcast. Well, thank you for asking me. And well, thanks for reading me all these years. I'm never sure who reads me. So. Oh, yeah. This episode was recorded on August 7th, 2018. Our theme music is by Andy Borgasani. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Surface Podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, and at scratchingthesurface.fm. Thanks for listening.